the wrong audio. Come on, where are my headphones? Ugh. <laughs> Hang on. Why are you not? Oh, wait, I know why. All, all day long, my video and audio were screwed up. Today, it's fine. Hey, I got it. So, oh, there we go. You sound different. Yeah, yeah. I sound like I'm using a microphone now, not uh, on a boom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so what I, what, oh, let's, re oh, it's recording. I, I set it up to automatically record now, just like, okay, but, record. but, but to the clued or no, to my yeah. computer. Yeah. Yes. So I think I'm, I'm going to do that for risky or not just because then I get two tracks. So, yeah. Right. Right. And then everything should be, should be fine. Um, yep. so what was, oh yeah. So I, I got like, I got like nine different microphones and headphones. Right. <laughs> um, so, so the thing to remind to remember is that not only do I have to change it in the little sound bar, um, but I also need to change it in Zoom on the little microphone. And usually what I'm looking for is AirPod Max. And I will put a plug in, Don, again. These are the greatest headphones I've ever, ever, ever owned. They are right. amazing. But when when they're but. like, <laughs> yeah, no, no, but when they're connected into my microphone it's not airpod max anymore it like goes offline because it just works and uh, and i need to look for atr 2500x usb microphone which is confusing because it's not what i'm normally looking oh, for oh oh but it's but so you take your airpods max and you hard plug yes you hardwire them into your your headphone into your uh boom in, mic into my boom um, mic uh, and then, but then it looks different, right? Got yes. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, I got it. It's all, it's all figured out now, but it is a mad scramble every time I start zoom now. Um, well, you know, you could also plug your, I think you could plug your headphones into your Mac in the I, headphone jack. I could, but it, then I don't get my audio. Like, oh, right. Yeah. 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 No, I really, you, want, you want, yeah. You want it like a professional studio. Yeah. And I'm really used to that now. Cause we're, oh, yeah. we're professionals. We're, we're <laughs> audio pros. Uh, we're, we're podcasters and, uh, I'll, I'll use my poppy P, uh, without my, my, my pop thing, the, whatever blocks You're, it. You, and wait, that isn't part of being is, isn't part of being a professional that you have a professional pop filter. I, well, it is, but I, I forgot to order it. You even sent it to me, oh, yeah. uh, but, I, but I bought something else instead, which, was, <laughs> which I really also something else I really like right now is I have this, I'll send you a link to this. It's an anchor. Um, a N K E R, right. You know, the, the, the oh, yeah, 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 yeah. it's a, it's a thing, a magnetic stand for my phone that also charges my, um, my AirPod pros. One of the oh. other, yeah. Oh. The other thing. And it's very, it's stylish. Even, even the lovely Danielle who is in, who is my personal designer looked uh -huh. at it when she came into my office. She's like, I really like that. It's oh. very, it's very stylish. I'll send it to you in case okay. you want it. Um, yeah, no, I, I, well, we should put it in the show notes. Yeah, at least we talked about it. We we did we did. Um, anchor magnet. Hey, there's a new uh, iPhone coming out next week. Did you did you are you aware of that? Uh, I'm, I'm aware that Apple has a a uh, uh, event. Oh, there's an event, and you know it's going to be. You you know what it's all about. <laughs> well, I hope I just hope that they they also announce an M2 macbook pro that's oh don't yeah yeah get don't get unexcited for that because i don't think that's coming yeah. um i know and i i'm with i'm, I'm with you because i really would like one as well 
Um, but no. And I, you know, I want the, I think we've talked about this. I want the baby one. I want, well, you I have want, a baby one. You have and, an M1. Already, well, I've got, I have one. an M1, but I want an M1 that's, that is the same size as my um, 12 bit, 12, 12 inch MacBook adorable. Oh, um, okay. I want, because I, I have, this is, it's all about me being a minimalist now. Uh huh. <laughs> so you need to buy more stuff to help you in your quest for minimalism. <laughs> <laughs> There's something qu- not quite right with that. I can't, I haven't quite figured it out yet, but anyway, we'll keep working on that. <laughs> well, no, but, but I, I, I want less, I want smaller things. So this is why I have a, I've got a, a mid- that's, a, that's a hit TV show, smaller things. Smaller right? things. Yeah. 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 Um, it, um, I want that. It makes I, people now, buy echoes. <laughs> it makes people buy echoes. Yeah. I want, uh, uh, this is why I have a, an iPhone 12 mini. I, okay. I I want a um a, like I have this this tiny little backpack that I use and in fact here's the part of the show where I just send you the things that I own <laughs> that I like um I have a Patagonia because I'm a you know one of those you know one of those people that have outdoor out, outdoor gear it is an Atom eight liter and this is what I think I don't think so I've purchased this since the um, since the pandemic. So you and I haven't seen each other in person. Right. Um, but I, okay, this is all what I have this thing. It's an Adam sling. It's very small and it fits. Wait, I can't, can't see it. Hold, hold it up. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, oh, okay. It's on the, it's on the text. I, it is, yeah. it, it fits. Oh, okay. I see it. You texted yeah. it to me. Yes. Yeah. It fits three things. Wow. Okay. Perfectly. It fits my AirPods. No, not my my iPad Pro, the the eleven inch. Mm-hmm. It fits my MacBook Adorable, and it fits my Kindle. I can get it all in there with mm. a with a battery. And this is it, like it's the only thing I need now. Like like I don't mm. need one of those. I used to have like one of those um, uh, courier bags uh, for you know. And, and then I also had a backpack. So I, I do still have a backpack, but this is my, this is the one that I use on a daily basis that I bring to my office that if I was going to go on a day trip somewhere, all I would need is this. I, I, I dream of the day. Well, maybe not dream of the day. I dream of the old days that we used to have when I would fly to DC for the day or Atlanta for the day for a meeting. And I would, this is the only thing I need now. Like I, I could, you know, I, 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 even if I get stuck there, I have a toothbrush in there, Don, <laughs> just right, ready to go. I'm a minimalist. I've got a, but, but the problem is the, you spell that without vowels. It's, I do. I spell it because I don't need them. I don't need those vowels. Uh, but, but here's the thing. I don't, the, I, I want an M1X or M2, whatever mm-hmm. computer, but I want one that's small that fits in my Patagonia bag. And I, they, if if they make you want you want a sixteen inch or a fifteen point seven or whatever I, it is, you I, want a big guy. Yeah, a big I do. Boy. Well, but but see that is that's and I'm trying to think why I want that because I used to want that when I was traveling because I needed a like a big you know a big manly <laughs> big manly computer, um, but I think I still do want that because I want I want one with the, the maximum amount of power that you can get in in a laptop. Um, yes. And, and I, I sent you and we'll put in show notes, the, the backpack that I have that I have had forever, uh, which is a Tom Bin oh. uh, brain bag, which is a uh, quote, serious backpack that can fit two or more laptops, although I only ever really carry one. Um, 
And there's a bunch of things that you can add to this. And I was reading this page. Um, I thought I thought you could add a large <laughs> snake chamber. Oh, um, but, yes. But, <laughs> but apparently <laughs> it is not a snake chamber. Much <laughs> as you, would, you would want one of those for your backpack. It is a large snake charmer, uh, which I do not have. Although I do have the padded hip belt because um, I think that that actually is. If, if you really have to jam this thing full of stuff, it, it's, it's quite nice. So. It, Oh, you can, you can add, um, oh, see this at a size of cash. You can add a hip belt. You can add a Freudian slip, which I don't know what that means. And it only gives me an option of no thanks. So apparently, <laughs> yeah, um, you, you can absolutely. Maybe, uh, maybe the snake char- chamber is a Freudian slip. I don't right, know. right. I don't know. The thing um, I like about this backpack, though, is it's very large. But also, if you, if you scroll down and you look, you can see there's side uh, uh, like what I would call cinch straps, which let you, if you want, you can like pack this thing full and then crank down those side straps to kind of compress whatever is in there. And so that's, uh, that's, although it's big, you can compress it and make it like relatively small on your, on your back. So that's pretty cool. Well, so Anyway, this this doesn't fit. It's a great it's a great bag, but it doesn't fit my minimalist. Uh, oh, no, I understand. No vowels no. included. Yeah. Um, go, you know, goal here, and I am like, it's so funny. Like this is uh, th- this is everything. Like I'm now not even carrying keys. You won't be able to see this, but I all I have is this like, what what are they called? A fob. It's a for my car. Uh-huh. I, um. That 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 it, with no no actual keys on the keychain. I now have actual keys that i have to use um here i'm gonna don i'm gonna turn my 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 camera on because we don't we this is something new but this is only for a minute no one else is gonna see it but i have this um (laughs) oh yeah yeah so but i have two keys one for my office one for my suite and then this is the thing that i carry all the time um makes your car go that makes my car go um so i i i want only those oh i've got something else that i that i purchased this is this is the minimalist me um in fact (laughs) I'm taking this to another level here in a minute that you won't, you've not seen coming. So also here's my new wallet that is magnetic that goes on the back of my phone. Oh, cool. And, and I only need, like, I I've figured out in any given day, I need um, a credit debit card, my mm-hmm. NC state P card, my mm-hmm. NC state ID and my, um, my driver's license. I, uh, I carry other things in my Patagonia, Patagonia backpack um, but the most important thing about my minimalist thing, this is, is that Don, for the first time ever, I am wearing a button down short, short, <laughs> short sleeve shirt. I've never, ever done this before. This is a new shirt that I purchased. Why? Less sleeves, <laughs> minimal sleeves. <laughs> um, that's, a, that's a very, that's a very fashionable shirt. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm, I, you know, I aim to be both fashionable um and and also prepared for a meeting with with the dean or whomever may i may need to talk to in my in my new role um so i'm like uh, i'm trying to like be i don't know i want i i gotta keep my style right my style is like you know, skateboarding shoes or Chuck Taylors and, and, and khakis, and then some sort of, usually some sort of t-shirt or a hoodie, but I have to be a little more formal now. So I try to be trying to be a little stylish. Well, um, well I'm, I'm stylish because I have now turned on my camera. Oh, oh. So you can see I'm wearing a uh, oh, t-shirt. A, a t-shirt. Podcast. Yes. 
And and do you have and you do you also have do you have sleeves on that button down oh, shirt that uh, is open? Yes, these yeah. are these are I have uh, short sleeves. Short sleeves, shirt. which is new. That again, that's new for me. So you usually wear long sleeves, even in the hot sun. In the hot in the hot sun, I wear I wear like a either a polo if, if I'm trying to be like uh, a little bit you know business casual or a long sleeve button down where I roll the sleeves up. Um, and I, 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 I want to, like, I, I'm, I'm trying something new and I'm, I, I'll tell you an hour and well, let's say, let's say three hours into this, this outfit. I'm, I'm a fan. I, I like it. <laughs> We're, we'll see. We'll see what it looks like over the course of the, the day. Anyway. Hey, my voice is back. Sort of, eh, like sort you, of, you're not hundred percent, but no, yeah. but better than I was yesterday. Um, yes. Uh, I, uh, I, I, so for listeners of, of the, the other show that we do, um, food safety talk, the next two weeks of episodes has a little bit of a raspy voice like this. Cause I have somewhat, I think maybe oh, strained my vocal cords. Um, I don't think I've damaged them because there, there is a, a, an improvement, but it was, uh, related to, um, hockey season starting and, um, yeah, really, I, I talked to you about this maybe offline, but I, I am now wearing um, a KN95 um, mask all the time, which I did not use. I didn't, we didn't get, we like, I didn't have access to last year um, during hockey season. They, they seem to become more available um, in the spring. And the best part, so the KN95 masks, are you know there, there's there's some good literature out there about how they are the either the 95s or the can 95s um are, are are better at trapping moisture droplets than cloth masks and other masks um but they also are also better at trapping your voice so i find <laughs> myself yelling through them at a at a greater um i don't know yeah force greater force yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, so anyway, I, that, that has led to more, uh, more strain on my voice. Um, no, my, my recommendation is when you have to yell, um, switch to a surgical mask. <laughs> right. Well, and, and I, I, I don't know, I just, I just didn't do that. Uh, and, and I took, I, I heard your advice, uh, advice. I heard your advice, advice, um, and I did not heed it. Um, so I've still, I've still been, uh, um, yeah, you through. since you blew out your voice, you have done more hockey and it did hockey yelling, um, it, but it didn't make your voice noticeably worse. It did, it did. It's oh, just, it did. um, I've recovered. Um, so my, my voice was noticeably worse over the weekend, uh, where we were playing a tournament in Hershey, Pennsylvania, home of um, the Hershey Chocolate Company. Um, and uh, it, it but it re, it is recovered better, quicker. I guess, uh, than it, than it did last week. Um, so, and I've, I've really actually made, I have tried to rest it. I, I almost didn't talk at all. Um, most of Monday and most of yesterday, um, yesterday morning. So, um, have you you thought about getting a megaphone? Is that even allowed? Oh, oh, I'm sure it is. I've not thought about that or even, even a kazoo, uh, (laughs) just, um, instructed the the uh, the players about if I if I kazoo twice, it means this. Uh, if I kazoo once, it means this. Uh, yeah, maybe it could be like baseball, where you like tap your uh, fingers and you pick your nose, or you know, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. A third base coach. I'm I'm rubbing rubbing stuff off my chest. I'm touch, yeah. touching my nose, yeah. touching my yeah. ears. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, 
Uh, what what else was I going to tell you? We finished the chair. Um, uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Great, great show. We did talk about that. At, uh, I think last uh, last episode. Um, but now it's complete and it, it is, it is fantastic. Um, and, and we're, we're in, uh, I don't know. I'm watching, uh, I'm watching some, some sports ball that probably doesn't interest you at all, but the, I am I'm, I'm fully invested in watching uh, Toronto Blue Jays baseball right now, uh, because the, the, the Toronto Blue Jays professional baseball club has a chance to make the playoffs, which doesn't happen all that often. So I feel like I'm, I'm invested in, in seeing that through. Uh, and so that's where my, where my, my evenings are, uh, are, are really focused. And I'll, I'll tell you, baseball is probably the sport that I can have on in the background the most and feel like I'm watching it a hundred percent of the time, but I'm also doing other things a hundred percent of the time. Cause it's very slow. It's, right, right. it's methodical, right? Like right. there's nothing's there's a happening. lot of waiting in baseball. Tons. There's no, there's no crying, but there's a lot of waiting. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so it's, it's very relaxing. Um, I, I often, I think back to some of my best naps, Don, <laughs> of all time. And they've almost all happened on Saturday or Sunday afternoons with baseball on in the afternoon where I may watch the first inning and then I'll sleep through the second through fifth innings and wake up and have missed nothing. Uh, but, the, but, 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 but help anyone who is in my house who changes the channel uh, right. and, and goes somewhere else. Cause I'm watching that. Damn it. Uh, so, so anyway, yeah, that's, that's what's, you know, that that's where I'm at right now. Well, uh, I don't, I don't watch a lot of baseball, um, but, but uh, another person who is a fan of baseball is uh, John Gruber, uh, who runs the website uh, during Fireball, who has a podcast called The Talk Show. And the, the link here, Ben, is I find that The Talk Show is very good for sleeping. I will uh, inevitably put it on on a plane and fall asleep. So uh, really a wonderful way to take a nap with <laughs> John Gruber that... talking in the background, perhaps about baseball or perhaps about computers. Um, but I, I can tell you because and I do want to I do want to to kind of plug this app a little bit. And I mentioned it before. Uh, it's called uh, Tracked. Yes. And uh, I found out about this uh, from, from John Syracuse. Um, but it is, I can tell you exactly what I've been watching because I've been trying to track all of my TV watching in Tracked. And I can tell you that we are making our way through season one of Sanford and Son, oh, <laughs> which is, that... is a bit of a, a throwback. Wow. Um, yeah. The, uh, the And also we are watching The Gloaming, uh, which is a creepy murder mystery set in Tasmania, Australia, Hobart, Tasmania specifically. And we are also watching a show called Guilt, which is a UK um, murder mystery ish uh, show, a dark comedy. I would call it a dark comedy. And so those are some of the things that we've been watching in addition to um, uh, all the usual stuff that we've, uh, we usually watch. So yeah, anyway, um, so th- those are some, some, anyway, I'm, I'm really enjoying uh, Tracked. Cool, cool, cool. Um, we, uh, as we traveled this weekend, uh, we had about a, I don't know, it's like a six and a half, seven hour drive to to Hershey from, from Raleigh with stops and gas, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. like real time, not, not driving time. Um, we listened to a lovely podcast that you can only get on Spotify, which is, this is the first one I've indulged in because I, I have not, I've just like shied away from this. You know, you've got to listen to this podcast on only one app mm-hmm. thing. Um, and it's, uh, 
it was a podcast that that uh, Merlin has talked about recently with I think with John or with Alex um, uh, about the um, the oral history of the of the office. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And it's not, you know, it's, it's the TV show, the office, um, not, mm -hmm. not, mm -hmm. uh, the oral history of people working in offices in offices, which, which yeah. would also be fascinating. Right. Right. That's a different, that's a different show. Um, but it was, we, we listened to there's 12 episodes and we plowed through it this weekend. And it's one of those podcasts that all of us, um, in, in the family, all four of us listen, you know, D Danny and I listened to it. Um, you know, start to finish. The kids were like, you know, on their phone, on the on the TikTok, on you know, playing Clash of Clans. Maybe they're listening to music, but they're in and out. It was really, really good though. And so I'm a I'm a big fan of The Office. Um, and there was so much uh, in this podcast that I, I just didn't know about. And it it was it was really fascinating to hear the behind the scenes making of a show and the the care and thoughtfulness that went into the approach and, and really how the off and, and really how like Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant created a genre that had not been really seen before. Um, and, and, and then that being, you know, exported to the U S and really turning how um, really the, the viewing that I like, like it, what, what the, what the office created was the ability for you know, similar shows that that also like are in the lineage of The Office, like um, you know, Parks and Rec and Brooklyn Nine Nine and The Good Place about sort of single camera comedies. Because we talked about this in the last episode about the single camera versus three camera um, uh, sitcoms, and and it was it, like it was just a very you know it, it's one of those kind of like produced serial style podcasts, but it was just really really great stories. And enough time, like over the twelve episodes, to really get into the the entire you know thing from like casting to um, decisions about you know uh, the uh, cinematography of of the show. It was just really really fascinating. So that was that's the the media that I consumed the most over the last couple of weeks. That that I I'm, I'm just excited about. And again, like we do on this show, and like I do in real life, I'm sure there are people that have listened to this podcast. But it, just like if I was new to CrossFit, I want to tell everybody about this new thing that that I'm really, really excited about and I've just discovered like, you know, no one else knows about. But anyway, it's a really, really great, um, great podcast. So, yeah, the oral history of The Office, but it's on Spotify. So I had to like download a specific app to listen to it, which kind of bothered me a little bit. It's not not ideal. Yeah, no, I, I I agree, and I feel similarly about the the podcast that I mentioned, uh, Hell of Presidents. Yes, uh, which I had to. Uh, well, I didn't have to get an app. You can actually create an RSS feed, and I think what what I don't even remember now what what I what service I even had to pay for that on. Um, but but I just you could you, there's uh, there's a a. a service where you can create an RSS feed for a private RSS feed. And, and, uh, and that's how I'm listening to it. Cause I can't, I have to get all my podcasts in one place. So. Yeah. Right. 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 Well, and, and I'll, you know, my, my thing um, right now, so I'm, I'm like flipping back and forth between the Apple app podcast or the Apple podcast app and overcast mm -hmm. mainly because um, the, uh, I, I listen to overcast on my phone 
exclusively, but when I'm running, uh, the podcast app has wow. a better watch yeah. interface, watch like, interface. like yep. a better watch. Like it's, it's more seamless. Like I can, I don't know. It just, it, it and this is no, no shade to, um, to, to Marco at all. Cause I love, I love, love, love overcast, but I, it, the podcast app just is better for me when I run. Yeah. So, yeah. but that's, it is a pain in the ass because I am now starting a podcast in overcast and then having to, Oh, like scrub manually sync up. Yeah. 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 What I'm running. And the only way, the thing that does suck about the watch app is that you can only do that in 30 second, 30 second increments. Oh. So you're like, you know, anyway, I've, it, whatever, but it's a, it's a small thing, but it's, it's on, uh, you know, I'm, how I'm handling it. I'm, uh, um, I, I do, and I want to, I want to give you a shout out, Dawn. Um, so, uh, I, I don't know if we've talked about this. I think we probably have, but, um, I have been, um, I'm, I'm in the midst of training for a half marathon mm -hmm. and you give me these very funny <laughs> preloaded app, you know, Apple watch fitness shout outs. Um, and they, it's, it, now I'm at a, at a situation where like, this is the instant feedback. I know, uh -huh. like I'm, I'm looking forward to what you choose. Like, like, cause you, cause you do choose the most ridiculous ones on purpose. I, on purpose. Exactly. Yeah. And so you gave me one yesterday that was um, just the emoji of a hot dog with exclamation marks. Yeah. Yeah. It's two emojis. It's a hot dog, double exclamation mark, which I, you know, I, and, and I am, I am totally, I'm like, whatever, whatever Apple is going to suggest, I'm going to pick like whatever the weirdest one. And I guess, I guess that means you're like a hot dog. Like you're, so. you're, you know, I don't, hot I don't dog. know, but it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty funny. So, so I just, just to, to close the loop on something or that it's in, in my brain. Um, so you mentioned the good place um, a while back and we watched the first episode and uh, Kristen did not like it. So we no. will not be watching it, <laughs> which reminded me of another show, which Kristen uh, ha has started and did not like, which is the office or the office, not the office, the wire, um, which reminded me of course, oh. that uh, Michael Williams uh, recently passed. And, and I did, I read this morning, I read, or yet last night I read, there's a wonderful uh, perspective uh, 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 entitled uh, by Robin Gibbon, entitled The Fictional Complexity of Omar, uh, which is uh, in the, from the Washington Post. And I, uh, in, in, and, and so, and Kristen and I were talking about, uh, about um, uh, his passing, and I was trying to explain about the character and why people are like, why he was such a beloved character. And I think actually Robin's essay covers it like like Omar as a character in the office just like you know, I guess Michael was a, in real life kind of a conflicted and, and complex person um uh that's uh, anyway so so I I I sort of gave tried to give Kristen an explanation of why Omar was so beloved and people were really just really enthralled with the character and and Robin really did a nice a nice job um uh, in the essay so I, I want to share I want to share that with you and also with our listeners Oh, well, yeah, it, it, it was, no, um, it, it, I, I, I'm, I'm at a loss for words because there's a few yeah. things that are going through my mind. So one thing is, uh, I just thought that, you know, Omar from the, you know, from the wire or Omar in the wire was such a, a, a great 
character. It's a, I love, I love the show. I, you know, you introduced me to it, but so much of my love for the show was, was around Omar. And I, I, I'm always very conflicted about, um, you know, sort of celebrities passing. I, I, mm-hmm. my, my connection is through him uh, in the wire. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and this, it actually, it maybe uh, comes back to the closing the loop on, on the office. I thought a lot about my identification of characters and actors, right? Like, mm-hmm. like I, we only know the, the actors or we only know the characters. We don't know the actors. Right. And, and I, the listening to that podcast made me think more about the actors as people and what they were trying to put into the role and how they constructed it. And there, it, there, um, the New York Times obituary on um, Michael K. Williams uh, you know, sort of talked about, um, it, uh, about you know, I'll read from it because I, I, it was one of the things that, that popped into my mind, you know, it was all sort of circling around. Um, so he says, uh, the, the obituary says, as a swaggering lone wolf in a story largely defined by continuing battles between the police and various crime bosses and crews, Omar was one of primetime's preeminent anti-heroes in a TV era defined by them. He was also gay and op- openly so in the homophobic, cold-blooded world of murder and drugs, a groundbreaking portrayal of black masculinity on television. Um, his quote was, I, sw- I saw a lot of homophobia in my community, Mr. Williams told New York Times in 2019. Omar definitely helped soften the blow of homophobia in my community, and it opened up a dialogue, definitely. And and I, you know, that quote stuck with me because I heard these other actors talking about what they were trying to construct and portray really as artists in the in this entertainment form. And I I'm so so like um I guess oblivious when I'm consuming entertainment, I'm consuming it as I want to watch the story. I don't I haven't really thought about what's behind that storytelling very much. And so, so that was the, 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 the piece that struck me the most was how, you know, it, it, you know, it led me to, to go back to that, um, that article in 2009, where, um, you know, it it really was, it wasn't sort of in depth, but they talked about character development across a lot of different shows like The Sopranos and um, Breaking Bad and um, other things, but it's all about like how, how people d- develop characters and what they put into it and what they bring to it. And just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's not something I, I think about all the time. And, and it, yeah, it, it, it made me uh, value the actors more than the characters, I guess, if that, if I'm articulating that, that correctly. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, so anyway, tough, you know, it, it, it always, always sucks when, when people pass on and I, I, I want to remember them more as the, the people, not the characters or the, Oh the yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, so what else, uh, what else is going on, um, in, in your, in your world? <laughs> what well, a, um, a, uh, a reporter emailed me about the, uh, recent, uh, Sabra recall. <laughs> oh, me too. So let's talk about that. Okay. Uh, So uh, maybe we got emailed by the same reporter. Probably. Was it yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Did you respond? Not yet. Okay. My my response is I'm happy to help. Give me a little bit of time to process everything. Maybe we can chat at four o'clock, meaning four o'clock today. And he did not respond to that. So. Oh, well, I said the same thing. Let me get back to you. Uh, So, so here we are. Um, 
so so here's the like there there's a there's a bunch of stuff going on so yeah um, let, let's let you know i kind of want to go go through this so sabra's yeah. had um had 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 uh some some lasiria in their in their hummus um there's i guess a history of a few things happening where there were some positive lasiria tests there was a follow-up um with uh, a um I don't know if there was um, a warning letter that was issued. I'll have to like, you know, sort of dig into that a little bit, but there was a recall. Um, and, and so the, the question, you know, the three questions, I guess, that, that the um, journalist is asking is, and, and I think we can start here with our discussion. How common mm-hmm. is a problem mm-hmm. um, like this where mm-hmm. there's repeat issues around uh, food manufacturing? Are there particular issues relevant to companies that make this specific type of food? And I would say like hummus and other manufactured foods that include um, a ingredient, maybe some heat processing, maybe some not, some mixing. There's a lot sort of uh, fabricating, you know, maybe is the right word going on um, in this in this process. And then the you know the third question is is really about the regulatory realm. Is is there does FDA have any, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll explicitly say it, is the FDA's lack of any compliance action concerning? And so, so anyway, I thought this was, it, it, it's funny you say this because it went into my like, hey, Don and I should talk about this today. So I love that. It's, you got it's funny, you know, I, 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 I've got to imagine it's the same reporter because I got yeah. the exact same question. Yeah, yeah, so it's the same. We've established it's the same reporter. Yeah. So, Yeah. <clears throat> So yeah, I've got so yeah. So go ahead. No, and I, I guess like the let's let's sort of let's start start with um I, I I think the most like the interesting place to start is actually on question two. Oh, me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So so you know, if we think about hummus, other mixed foods, are there particular things that those companies need to pay attention to more than others? or more than different types of manufacturing? And I think the answer is yes, for, for me. I think that I alluded to ingredients. I think if I think about like, um, you know, specifically hummus, and I don't think it's, it's Sabra, um, it's not Sabra specific on this, but, it, but you know, we, we've got um, hummus or guacamole that, um, you know, that, that, that's probably, you know, for me, I think that the chickpea mix is probably coming in pre-blended. And what's happening is that they're taking bulk chickpeas and maybe processed um, uh, avocados that's high pressure process. And then they're mixing in a bunch of inclusions into that, whether it's spices or, um, you know, in, in the case of guacamole, there, you know, there, there's, I mean, it's, a, it's essentially spices, pepper flakes, some other ingredients in the case of Sabra. My favorite, I do, I'll tell you, I'm a, I'm a Sabra consumer. Um, I like the roasted red pepper um, hummus where there's some roasted red peppers that are placed on top of the, the hummus mix. So, so I think that they've got a bunch of things that they have to worry about. It's mixing ingredients and, and then the packaging of this. Uh, from a you know a, a standard operating procedure that those are things then then they got other products where they've got like um, 
uh, um, not pistachios, pine nuts and other nuts that are, that are also added into this, to this hummus. So you've got like a lot of supplier control issues that are, are maybe out of their control other than how do they verify this and what are the, what are the standards? But then when it all gets into the processing plant, you've got sanitation things that you need to pay attention to. And, and so, and I think that's what the sort of history question is about is like, well, what are, what are they doing as it relates to, to sanitation? But, but I, I look at this as actually kind of a like complex mixing process that's, that's happening here. Yeah. And I'll, so I am not as big a fan, although we have, we do get hummus, you know, we do buy hummus from, from time to time. This is one of those foods that we can put in the category of Kristen says, I can make better hummus than that, right? And so I was just looking up a particular hummus recipe just to confirm something. And I think one of the one of the complex things about making a product like this, yes, the primary ingredient is chickpeas. Yes, the chickpeas are cooked. But once you mix up that hummus, it is not cooked again. Right. And so this is a product that I've got to imagine in the processing environment is it's not being pumped through tubes and heated. Right. It is, I suspect, an open processing environment. There's a lot of cleaning and sanitation that has to go on. And there's a lot of places where things can go wrong. And so and one and one thing that I I, I really I want to I want to kind of we can talk about the current um, uh, current recall, but. Is it the recall? Yeah, the current, yeah. It's not an it's not an outbreak. It's a recall. But I want to talk about the 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 uh, the listeria recall. Okay, because and I want to read from FDA's website, uh, which says an FDA inspection of the Sabra Dipping Company LLC's manufacturing facility in Colonial Heights, Virginia, revealed twenty seven swabs of the processing environment that contained Listeria monocytogenes. Okay, that's what FDA said, and and this always reminds me of a conversation that I had with former FDA employee Don Zink. And, and this was, and this was a really, and I've, I'm sure I've shared it before on the podcast, but I think it's worth sharing again. And what Don said to me is FDA can go into a facility and watch the company swab for environmental contaminants, watch what they're doing to swab for salmonella, watch what they're doing to swab for listeria. And FDA can tell you based on watching the company swab, whether FDA will find the organism if they swab. <laughs> okay? Right, right, right. And, and the reason why is that companies that are really doing a good job and are crawling under things and are moving things and are really trying to find it, um, if they don't find it, FDA won't find it either. If they're kind of doing a half-assed job, they're, they're swabbing easy to find places. They're, they're only swabbing places that are relatively easily cleaned and sanitized. Um, FDA is going to have a hard time. And I suspect, this is pure speculation on my part, but I suspect that if we had, uh, FDA had watched um, them swab prior to FDA finding 27 listeria positive swabs, that's a lot of positive swabs, Ben. I yeah. mean, FDA, when they come into your facility, they should not find listeria. And, and not just listeria, they found Elmano, right? Right. And one of which is the strains that was matched to a strain found in a retail product sample collected in 2005, indicating that strain may be persistent in the production environment. And so that is an indication that the company is not doing as good a job as they could be doing in controlling listeria. And 
And that, see that, and, and this is again something that we often talk about on the podcast, and that I find myself talking about a lot recently is the difference between listeria and salmonella. Right? Salmonella is a relatively rare pathogen that low doses will cause illness. Listeria is, uh, we can't say uh, ubiquitous. Joe Frank once told me, don't say, don't say it's ubiquitous because it's not everywhere, but it is more common, but you need relatively high doses to cause illness. Even if you're immunocompromised, you know, come, come, come at me FDA. But I think FDA's own, own papers would support that. It's just a matter of how, how low it is, whether it's one in a million or one in a billion uh, is the risk from a, from a single cell. Whereas with salmonella, the risk is more like one in 200 or one in 300 from a single cell. So, so you have to be more careful with listeria. But again, in this country, we have a zero tolerance for listeria and ready to eat foods, um, including uh, hummus. And so I think that, uh, yeah, so that, that, that finding, that finding in uh, 2016 is an indication that something was wrong. And the fact that we now have a salmonella recall uh, based on a retail sample, I believe, um, means that we've got, uh, we've, we've got, and, it, and again, if, if it's linked back to this, because Sabra is a big company, it really must have more than one facility, but I suspect it's linked back to the same location. We need to, we need to figure that out, right? Um, that is an indication that they maybe uh, didn't uh, do the right thing and, and have not got the true religion around um, cleaning and sanitation. So that's my, that's kind of my, my, uh, my main points on this. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to, want to highlight that I don't think this is a current recall. Like I think, I mean, it, I think it goes back to March. Oh, March. Right? Yeah. 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 So um, it's not so ongoing, but it's yeah. not. A, yeah. 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 But, but also like the, I think the issues are ongoing or at least yes. we're, uh, you know, like, like we've got this March, 2021, um, recall for salmonella. Then we have this, this listeria recall in 2015, I think it was, um, and 16, let me get those right. Um, yeah. So, so like there's, there's some stuff. Yeah. November, um, uh, FDA advises consumers have recalled certain Sabra hummus products from November 22nd, 2016. Um, yeah, that was the one that you talked about with the 27 swabs. So, yep. so there's, you know, like it, it, there, there's stuff that that's happening. Now, the one thing that I would, I would highlight here is, and this is where I was kind of going with the, um, with, with the issue around um, salmonella and, and listeria. So, so the, 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 or with ingredients, I guess, is that if I look at the, the salmonella risk, um, I, I don't, see anywhere and maybe you said this and i missed it where there were um there were swabs of uh in the facility leading to salmonella like positives um because i think as you said i, I think it's routine screening found contamination in a product and if i look at the ingredients in in like sabra classic hummus there's a lot of spices Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. And, yep. and so um, let me let me let me let me find that um, uh, just so I can get the exact ones. Um, but, you know, um, oh, where are we here? Um, oops. If I just Google salmonella classic ingredients, that doesn't really get me what I want. <laughs> um, well, and if, if FDA would put photos of a decent resolution on their website, we could actually we could actually 
see what the ingredients right. were. Um, I can almost read this. Um, I tried. I tried. I found. I found some here. Um, okay. So I, ingredients: um, cooked chickpeas, water, tahini with ground sesame. Put a pin in that one. Mm -hmm. um, Non-GMO soybean oil, garlic, salt. Non-GMO citric acid, that part's important again. Uh, potassium sorbate added to maintain freshness. So if I look at the garlic, that might be coming in great, like garlic powder would be my guess. And then the tahini, ground sesame, let's look at what you might expect to have in tahini. Um, I think it's just, you know, ground sesame seeds. But I would, I, I mean, we've seen, oh, let's see. Sesame, salmonella. Um, we've seen uh, lots of um, uh, illnesses going going back to um, 2005 in New Zealand and Australia of salmonella seed products uh, with salmonella, like or salmonella sesame seed products contaminated with salmonella. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. not a surprise to me, right? Like right. thinking about our so so. I wonder how. Yes, it could be a manufacturing issue. It could be a sanitation issue, but it certainly could be an ingredient issue. Finding a sample with it, we don't have enough data points to know whether it's one or the other. Um, but but it's that's the complexity of the the system of of making um, you know hummus. I think right, like it's mm -hmm. there's a lot there's a lot going on in this. So, but you know, the third question. Um, you know, going back to the mm -hmm. what, what the journalist asked us, and, um, it, it, it really comes into the issue of what's FDA's role in this, right? And and, and I, you know, I, the way that I look at this is, I think that FDA is following their role in this, right? You know, we've got a recall in 2015, we've got the 2016 issue, we've got. Um, a uh, you know salmonella um, uh, uh, you know sample this year, and now what what is FDA doing? Well, I think that they're following their process of show us that you know how to handle food safety. I don't know. I like you know the question is FDA's lack of any compliance actions concerning. I'm not sure. I don't know what like I don't not, to me no. But I don't know. Am I missing? Am I missing something that you would that you would see there? Like, like I, what I think, what I think the journalist is angling at is should FDA shut down Sabra? And I don't, I don't, I don't think that there's enough information to do, to do so. I think that this is they're following their process of um, you've had positives, you've got you've had problems. Now let's let's follow our process of more frequent inspections. Um, and maybe it leads to a warning letter or or something as we move forward. Yeah, and I, don't I know. guess the piece the piece that is missing for me, and it may not be knowable, is so the company did a recall in March uh, March uh, 29, twenty twenty one for salmonella contamination. Um, and FDA knows about that because we're looking at the announcement on FDA's website. I've got to imagine that that triggered an inspection. Right. And so what did FDA find when they went into that plant not long after, I'm suspecting, not long after March 29, 2021? And that we don't know. We don't, we don't know if FDA went. I suspect the odds are quite likely that they did, right? But what did they find when they went there? Well, we don't know. Now, what we do know 
is that the recall apparently never expanded beyond this original quite limited scope, I would say. It's, it's uh, 2,100 cases of only 10 ounce classic hummus, okay? And so the recall is limited to one SKU um, produced between uh, on uh, Friday, February 10th, between the hours of 6 p.m. and 12 midnight with a best before date of April 26th, right? And so I suspect what happened was they had a contaminated ingredient that was the source of salmonella. It made it through to retail. Um, people, uh, some retail sample found it, it showed up, and then that initiated the recall. It didn't have a match with any illnesses. And when FDA went into the facility, they didn't see that they were satisfied with clean breaks and sanitation, because if FDA wasn't satisfied, or if FDA went in and swabbed and found salmonella, right, this strain or another strain, um, the recall would have expanded. And there would be, I think there would be, I mean, it's, it's, it's September, right? We would have our, we would have, we would have heard, I think, I mean, again, I'm not an expert on the agency timelines. We would have heard more, right? Right. I would, I would yeah, think the, so. It says the recall has been completed and FDA has terminated the recall. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so here's something for you. I just sent uh -huh. you some lit, like, so, so I, I, I mentioned a 483. That's our mm -hmm. like lingo, right? So a 483 uh, form is like an FDA um, uh, form. That's a follow-up of observations. So actually let me um, let's go right to the, right to the source on this FDA's uh, frequently asked questions, FDA form 43 frequently asked questions. When is a, a form FDA form 43 issued It is issued to firm management, at the conclusion of an inspection, when investigators hadn't observed, had observed any conditions in their judgment that may constitute violations of the food, drug and cosmetic act and related acts. FDA investigators are trained to ensure that each observation noted in the FDA form 43 is clear, specific and significant. So, I think that's probably, well, you know, observations um, would indicate that any food, drug, device, or cosmetic has been adulterated or being prepared, packed, or held under conditions where it may become adulterated. So that's, so if you have a 483, you would, that means you've had an inspection and it didn't go great, which, right? right? Like, like right. something was found. So I Google this, this yeah. is my, like the yeah, most yeah. fascinating yeah. thing that I've ever done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Google FDA or no, I, I just Google Sabra 483 <laughs> and the, the top two links on Google are FDAzilla.com, the store. What is FDAzilla, Don? <laughs> Do you know? Um, Cause I'm I didn't thinking, know. Uh, is it FDAzilla or is it Fadzilla? Fadzilla. Fadzilla. <laughs> Um, I think this is a company that makes a business of obtaining 483s and then selling them to people. Boom. Like what this blew my mind. The FDA Zilla store contains 20,000 plus inspection documents, FDA inspectional observations that are issued in companies in which FDA inspectors have documented issues, FDA establishment uh, inspection reports, and 483 response letters. Purchase your documents here and receive documents in a PDF format immediately. So, Don, if you the so so here's the thing: there is a 483 Sabra dipping company made to 2021 20, mm -hmm. 483. 
$119 you can buy it for. Uh, um, only if it was in stock. It's, it's not, not in stock. stock. And, right? Yeah, right, right, right. So then, so anyway, to me, um, the, the other thing that I sent you a link to is um, how do they get this? Well, mm-hmm. um, sent you a link to, um, uh, where was this? It is a Freedom of Information yep. Act um, uh, log sheet mm-hmm. uh, from FDA from March 2020, where they list I assume that this happens every month, but in this one, they list all of the Freedom of Information Act requests that they get and who requested it and whether it's open or closed or withdrawn. And and so in here, what I found really, really interesting is FDA Zilla FOIA's FDA, and then they take the documents and they PDF them and then make it available. So, um, you know, there are Sabra in this, in this one that, that I found from March 2020. In fact, it is not FDA Zilla, um, but another company, Fishkin Luke Lux LLP, which who I believe based on the name is probably a law firm. Um, and, and so anyway, it, this, this like rabbit hole just blew my mind. So, <laughs> so, so here's the thing. Let, let me, let me close the loop on this. There is a 483 post salmonella from, um, you know, from Sabra that would indicate that FDA's inspection produced observations that were concerning, that were, were not, to use my words, not good. Yeah. So, so I don't know what's in that 483. I could buy it if it was in stock. It was in stock. Yeah. From FDA Zilla for $119. So I'm not going to do, but someone's got it right. Like, and, and you and I have done, um, you know, we, we've been part of, um, I, I would say a couple of things, both expert witness cases, but also other investigations where people have shared 483s with me in the past that someone got through a FOIA um, request. So mm-hmm. something, so something's in there and, and, and maybe we can ask the journalist um, what's in there. Cause maybe they have it. Well, he did send us a heavily redacted document, but I don't believe it's the, it's the current. Uh, no, it's the 2016 one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so anyway, I, we're, we're answering journalist questions on the fly here in today's food safety talk, but I, you know, I, this is that whole process. What we just went through is, is the complicating piece behind all the food safety conversations, I think. Right. Like, like this is, I think there's, I think there's probably something there. We don't know what it is. Is it concerning that you've had multiple um, issues? I think we could both like agree on, yeah, you know, um, are these issues linked? I'd make the case that we don't have enough information, Listeria versus Salmonella. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. Maybe the inf- maybe there's some linking information that that lies in the 483 that we don't have our hands on. But I also, coming back to the third question, is FDA's lack of any compliance actions concerning I don't think I can answer that question without seeing what's in the 43, because there actually may be some compliance actions that we just don't know about. Yeah, I, I would agree 100%. We don't know what we don't know, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> famous unknown unknowns. Unknowns unknowns. But, uh, but, but yeah, so I mean, FDA could be could be making these the light, these guys' life miserable behind the scenes, and we just we just don't know that. But yeah, I mean, it would be really would be in, immensely helpful to to see this uh, uh, for it, this not in stock for eighty three. Right, right, right. And so, real time follow up, um, name redacted journalist 
do you have the 483 from the below <laughs> is what I just sent back. Uh -huh. And the below being similar safety issues were ID'd in the most recent inspection earlier this year, yeah. which followed the salmonella tests. Yeah. Because I think that's important, right? Like that's, that's part of the, that's part of the story here. I hope we didn't do too much inside baseball here um, on this. I, I, I think I, I've seen FDA Zilla before, but I don't think I've seen FDA Zilla selling redacted 43s or unredacted 43s. And that the fact that there's a whole economy, I don't know how strong the economy is, but there is an economy built around getting those 43s. That's really fascinating to me. Um, and then the, uh, what I hadn't seen before was this FDA log of all the FOIA requests that they get in a month. And it's, I mean, Don, the, there, the, uh, I don't know if you scroll down to the end, but there's 895 requests in the month of 2020, well, 894 requests in the month of uh, March, 2020. So man, FDA gets a lot of FOIA requests. Yeah, well, and that's not just uh, CIFSAN, right? Right, that's, right. That's all of FDA. So, yeah, not not surprising. Not so. not surprising, but but I mean, like magnify that out, right? Like you're you're looking at probably tens of thousands. Um, well, you know, over 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 ten thousand uh, FOIA requests a year going through FDA. That's a lot of that's a lot of time. And and props to FDA for you know, first of all, putting these logs out, but it, I think it demonstrates how, you know, how they're, they're certainly attempting to be open and transparent about things because this is, and there's a requirement to do this, but also like, you know, I can find the logs. I think that was kind of cool. And what the require, what it is, what people are asking for. Can so, you, I don't, you sent me a bunch of links. I don't th think you sent me the link I, the, the page that you're talking about right now, oh, I don't think you sent to me. So. I did. It's it's a okay. weird little thing. It's the download that comes from oh. Google and it's a spreadsheet. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. So, all right. So it's that, it's that FDA 483 frequently asked questions page. No, it's a different but, one. But it's a link on that page. Uh, it's not. Or it's, all, it's a link on. It's linked uh, from Google. I resent it oh, to you. Okay. Yeah. It's. Uh, oh, okay. I got it. Yep. Yeah. Um, oh, I, oh, you did send it to me. All right, I but did, I can't, I, I can't open it in, in. If I when I go to open it, it just, just, just downloads it. Yeah, it just downloads yeah. it. Okay, like it's not, it. It, yeah. it's just a download, and it's a linked on FDA's website somewhere. But I can yeah. only get it through by Google. So. Yeah, understood. understood. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, good. Well, interesting, or maybe not all that interesting that we got the same questions. <laughs> but no, not not that interesting. I think that's that predictable. Yeah, that's that's the way that's the way we roll. Hey, so I wanted to talk to you about some ongoing stuff that's happening around backyard chickens and give you an update <laughs> about my front yard chickens. Front yard chickens. Yeah. Every so, time I see uh, somebody something about backyard chickens, I think to myself, well, Ben's okay. He keeps the chickens in the front yard. Exactly. Yeah. So so CDC um updated their um uh, like ongoing outbreak uh, to backyard chickens. Um, and so food safety news covered this, but this is a salmonella outbreak um, that, that, um, that the CDC posted about it's, it, you know, it's, it's big hundred or sorry, um, 863 illnesses. Um, there's 191 new illnesses, 209 hospitalizations. 52 of those are new in 47 states. 
um, in DC. It's an active in investigation um, that's that's going on. The investigation details are um, are, are really interesting um, on this. Uh, well, I mean, maybe not really interesting, uh, but 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 this is where I find the most fun stuff um, in this. So um, we've got. Um, uh, of the 860 people, age range uh, age ranges from less than a year to 97 years old, median of 36, 220 are young children under five. Why? Well, because young children under five like to interact with uh, with chickens. Um, Probably don't have the best hand-washing behavior either. Correct. Uh, can, can confirm. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but, you know, the, the this is the laboratory, you know, data. There's you know, the, this is what we know, um, and, but state and local and local public health officials are interviewing people about the animals they came into contact with the week before they got sick. Of the 527 people interviewed, 365 um, reported con contact with backyard, backyard poultry. Um, WGS was uh, was used, whole genome sequencing. So, you know, here, here's the thing. There's, there's likely a... Um, some sort of common source uh, for this, uh, you know, for, for, for these illnesses, um, but really hasn't been identified yet um, in any of the uh, information that's, that's put out there. The timeline on this goes all the way back to early 2021. Um, and, you know, so, so how I, I kind of guess that this is happening is we've got People who in the spring, based on the timeline, I'll, you know, I'll send you the timeline because I think it yep, tells a I nice story. Yep, okay. Yep. Uh, uh, right around, I don't know, say Easter or in the mm -hmm. spring yep. where um, I think the term spring chicks come from. Uh, and uh, a lot of people got sick. Um, people continue to get sick over the course of the summer because those chickens probably still exist. We have more illnesses that have popped up. Um, and uh, there's a lot of salmonella coming out of these backyard uh, flocks and, um, and and the and the and the, the levels are going down slowly, right? Yes, they, they ramped up quickly. Uh, highest uh, number of people sick: eighteen people sick on um, um, April twenty sixth. That was the high point of the outbreak, and now we're down to you know one or two, three, four people sick every day on the days when people get sick. Um, and again, some of those might not be reported yet. Oh no, that's that goes through. Uh, uh, have they declared it over? No, it's still. It no. says ongoing. Ongoing, yeah. yeah. So, but but it looks like it's winding down. Yes. Probably as I don't know as people get rid of their backyard chickens. I mean, I don't. I mean, how long does a chicken live? Certainly oh. a while, right? It does and th this is the follow up I wanted to give you, Don. Mm. Um, <laughs> chickens <laughs> in the Chapman front front yard. <laughs> we, we have had uh, what what is known as the. 2021 um uh chicken massacre um oh, no. we, we lost two chickens um based on a hole that was identified in the chicken coop uh over the course of a one one week period and we have now acquired a, a so at total in our in our chicken rearing careers if we go back to num total total number of chickens reared it is seven current number of chickens in the Chapman household, not in the in the Chapman front yard, is two. Um, so <laughs> okay, and how old and when did those arrive? 
One arrived uh, in in um, in July. One okay. has been around since um, uh, June 2020. Okay. Um, yes. And, and so the, the June 2021 has eluded all predators to this point. So so when you say chicken massacre yes. or massacre, as they say, massacre. Um, yes, uh, th- these were not massacred by you or your no, family. No. These were predators. OK, I'm just asking. Just yes. asking. Um, you love them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well. Eh. Um, so what what was the predator? Uh, you know, undetermined. My my best guess is a fox. Okay. Um, based on the the size of hole that was discovered uh, in the door of the chicken coop. Well, ba- based on my experience with the ring doorbell mm. here in Milltown, um, what you need is you need a lot more people to get ring doorbells, and then you will hear all about foxes all around. <laughs> yes. Have yes. Shared, the, have I shared any of this ring oh, high quality ring content? Ring a door, little bit. Ring doorbell the, content. Yeah. The, the uh, citizen science. Uh, yep. Uh, yep. Uh, you know, um, uh, community sourced uh, research that's happening in your in your neighborhood yeah yeah um so yeah yeah no we we are um uh, yeah so we're we're down a couple uh we're we're down a couple of um uh, of chickens over over time one couple one we had a an undetermined illness two one we found feathers at the hole um that so feathers at the hole uh and and that we we uh it it appears that one chicken was dragged out of the coop uh and then unfortunately uh, a weekend that we went mountain biking and our uh our neighbor a neighbor child friend of my kids uh looked after uh one chicken there was also uh one chicken that went missing that that was um we the, the 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 body the, or the the remains of the chicken were found. Um, uh, yeah, that were uh, the I guess the the parts that the fox wanted were gone, and the parts that the fox did not want remained. Um, but you're, so, but you're basically that one. It sounds like you're blaming the neighbor. I'm not. I would not. <laughs> please don't. The, the, don't. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure the neighbor listens to the podcast, but we are not blaming the nine year old neighbor that looked after the chickens that week um, at all. So, yeah. Um, so, so just anyway. in, sorry, just before we completely leave the the topic of front or backyard uh, pests, I do want to share. Um, this might be a good risky or not. It's I don't know if it's risky or not, but um. So uh, we have a compost bin in our backyard, and uh, which was just fine in our house at our old old house uh never had any uh problems with critters uh new house uh there is a there has been a critter that has been getting into my compost bin i believe it to be some sort of rodent and so i have uh now uh tried to rodent proof my compost bin and so far i seem to be successful so so we we don't have any chickens uh but we do apparently have decaying vegetable matter that does bring um uh predators to the yard well, hey, good. Yeah, good thing you're not baiting them with chickens, because uh, that would be the next uh, the next step. Your chickens may go go missing. Anyway, um, so but I the, the reason why I wanted to talk about this was not yeah. just to, to highlight the massacre yeah. is that yeah. we have now introduced a new chicken into the flock, the flock of two. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is a uh, it, just a normal laying chicken that that is uh, I I think we've named it um, for comedic pur- purposes. Leia, 
um, you know, like not only Princess Leia from the Star Wars um, uh, franchise, but also that she lays a lot of chickens or eggs, not chickens. Laying chickens would be also be a rooster. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well done. Well done. Um, so, so anyway, we've got, uh, um, we, but, but what I don't know, cause this is where we started, we talked about this on, uh, an episode of risk or not, and on a previous episode of food safety talk. Um, now that we've introduced a new chicken, I don't know if this has changed the risk profile of my front yard, right? Like, like, did we import salmonella or campylobacter that we didn't have in our, in our previous flock? Um, because we, we've done a couple of rounds of, uh, of sampling and not found anything, not that we on that particular day, as I've been reminded, but, mm-hmm. um, I don't know what our profile looks like now. So I don't know if I'm now in, you know, at a higher risk for this, uh, for this front yard, backyard, uh, chicken, um, illness. And, yeah, and well, it- my, my guess is not because I think probably, as you know, the, the risk really seemed to start to escalate in uh, March of this year, right? And so I suspect it was a uh, contaminated batch. I mean, I'm, I'm using, I'm not using the right words here, right? But, but it, it was, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a sort of a single, it looks like single source that has now spread itself out and is making people sick. And maybe it was a, a, a series of shipments over a period of time. And so what I'm really interested in though, is like, what's the structure of the backyard chicken marketplace, right? Like where do people get back? How big and how complicated is the backyard chicken marketplace? Like we talked about this on the last episode, yeah, I don't yeah. remember what, what was it? it was some sort of hedgehogs. A trace back. Hedgehogs. Oh, hedgehogs, yes, the hedgehog yep. uh, case, yeah. So, so like the and so obviously hedgehogs are probably less common as pets than chickens, but like what is the structure? I, I want to see a similar uh, diagram to the hedgehog diagram, right? Right, right. Well, and so can I give you my my n equals one? I understand yeah, a little bit yeah, about this, yeah. and and I'm gonna I, I will. Um, I'll address something that you said, right? So if we look at this, because I've got more information than you do in this investigation of my backyard yes, chicken. Because, yeah. So if you look at the timeline, what I didn't tell you was that we um, on purpose um, got a adolescent chicken, not mm-hmm. a chick, because we were introducing this chicken to a single chicken and did not want... As, as the term pecking order yeah. uh, implies, we didn't want our um, the the surviving chicken Dolly right. um, to peck Leia and and really injure this chicken. So we right. wanted, wanted to bring in a non-dominant chicken. Yeah, we wanted not not only did we not want to bring in a non-dominant chicken, but we wanted to bring in a chicken that was um, uh, um, uh, strong enough to deal with the dominance of our existing chicken. If that, oh, okay. if, if that existed. So we didn't want to bring in a chick where Dolly would kill her. Um, oh, oh, interesting. So the chicken that we brought in, Don, is about four months old. If you go back four months, um, what we don't know from the CDC uh, um, uh, you know, data set is whether the interaction with chickens or chicks happened. So Potentially, I still might have a chicken that has interacted with some chicken from the batch that is making people mm. sick because the timeline of illness, I don't know whether the chicken that we got was hatched from an egg um, by someone or whether it was purchased as a chick. 
uh, in around April, which is when the illnesses started to come up uh, on that CDC timeline. If we go back four months, does that make sense? You know what I'm, know what I'm saying? I yeah. Might, so yeah. Uh, I, I, so, all right. So it's not, it's not that you want a non you want, you want like a semi-dominant chicken. Yes. I want a dominant chicken. I want an old, I want an old enough chicken that can handle some level of dominance, but also not provide enough dominance to kill our existing chicken. Whoa. Yeah. Which yeah, you want a pure chicken. <laughs> we want a pure chicken, which we, I, I can tell you over three weeks, we have like, we we're good. We, no one is um, they, they are both surviving. They're both eating food. The first few days, the, uh, the new chicken Leia didn't know exactly where to roost. So we had to, we found her in a bush. Um, and the, uh, the existing chicken Dolly pushed her away, but now they're assimilated. And, and I will use all of the, the, the terms and cliches Don. I believe they are birds of a feather now. Um, they're flocking together, uh, in, in the, uh, in their, um, little, little, uh, chicken coop. So, so, but, but that being said, we certainly could have, Leia could be linked to this outbreak. And I just don't know. Right. Um, and, and the fact that they eat and poop and live together would mean that we have certainly have the ability that Leia has introduced a new pathogen, um, to, uh, Dolly. Um, so again, to be determined, and it's something that I'm going to talk about with, um, with, with a friend of the podcast, um, and a friend of mine and graduate student of mine and friend and another friend of mine, uh, Megan Jacob and Catherine Gensler, who are doing work with me on animal interaction. So we may do some, some additional poop, uh, work from my, my front yard now to see what we've got. If anything's changed since the last sample, which happened in the fall of last year, but we've introduced a new chicken. So potentially yeah. things have changed. So, so, you know, and, and so this, this raises some questions for me, right? Like, so what's our current estimate of the underreporting factor, right? right? So 800 some, some odd people is a lot of sick people, right? Yeah. Um, so what's the underreporting factor? And then also to get to again, because it's all about the denominators um, with me is like, what's the, what's the total number of backyard chickens out there, Ooh. right? So like, so let's say you have 800 illnesses, let's say the underreporting factor is 20 fold. And so we're looking at maybe that's a 16,000. That's a lot of illnesses, right? I don't think it's that high, but let's say for the sake of discussion, it is. So 16,000 illnesses um, is the size of backyard chicken flocks, you know, 32,000 households or a quarter million households. And I, I just don't know if we know, right? Well, so... Um, the internet helps us with this. Um, the, I, I just sent you a link to uh, uh, an article in the conversation from um, 2019, I think it was, um, that is a chicken in every backyard. Urban poultry needs more regulation to protect human and animal health is the, um, uh, is, is the headline. Um, nearly 1% of all U.S. households surveyed wow. by the USDA reported owning backyard fowl in 2019, and wow. 4% more plan to start in the next five years. So wow. that's estimated over 13 million Americans. All right. So, so that could be, so again, what I'm trying to get is what I'm trying to do, Ben, which yep, you should yep. never do. What I'm trying to do is to calculate the odds just to, just, just like, you know, is, is the risk from your chicken one in a hundred, one in 10? 
one in a thousand, you know, and, right, and if right. we did the math here, it, we could probably, you know, if we, we would, so we take the size of the outbreak, we multiply by the, the underreporting factor, we divide that by 13 million. Um, it was, yeah, or I go, or which, whatever the right number is, it's not, it's not the 4%, it's just the, the 1%. Um, and then we'd, we'd, uh, that would be the odds, right? So, yep. yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, it, well, and, but here's the complicating factor. That's assuming mm -hmm. all sources carry the same risk, right? Would you, would you not like, right? So I think what we've got here based on this history of, um, and, and like see Campylobacter in puppies, see hedgehogs, see backyard uh, flocks leading to illnesses in the past. I think that, that it's not all sources carry the same amount of risk. There's some bad actors and some good actors that, that are leading to, um, to this, to the, to these outbreaks. Would you like, do you, uh, you know what, do you what I'm saying? What so, do you mean? Like, like, so there's a common, you know, not like, like, um, uh, give me, I'll give you the food safety analogy. Not all hot dogs carry the same level oh, of risk. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. But, but, but it's also, um, where's that hot dog going, right? Yes. Like, yes. is it going, is it going to uh, a chain restaurant that's going to properly cook it? Is it going to, um, a, a family that like, likes to eat rare hot dogs or kiss their chickens. Right. I mean, so yeah. So, so there's a, there's not all, there, not all chickens are equal. Not all families are equal. Not all backyards are equal or front yards. Right. Uh, the size of the flock probably yep. matters, right? All of that comes into play. Yeah. 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 And, and how much, like, I mean, just going to the household, how much hand washing and sanitizing happens. Oh, right. How right. What's choose? the culture? Well, and yep. yeah. Uh, how many elderly in the household, Absolutely. how many young kids in the household? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, so anyway, the, the, I, I think that, but I, but I think the, the exercise on the denominator is, is, is important here, right? Like, like it, it, what's the, if we, if we try to control or make some assumptions about that, and, and I feel like I'm the, you've just like, you, you, you've turned me into a risk modeler in, in, in my mind, right. In my thought process. Good. Which, good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But that's all the stuff that, that, that matters here. Right. And, and it's, it, it's part of the, it, 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 let me, let me go back to what CDC suggests. Right. Um, oh, let me, let me find it. Cause I've closed all my tabs. Um, but, but CDC well, what, one of the things they say, well, one in four sick people is a child younger than five. Don't yep. let young children touch chicks, ducklings, or other backyard poultry. Okay, that's a good idea, right? Uh, other, other things that backyard flock owners should do, wash your hands, be safe around backyard flocks, no kissing or snuggling, okay? Don't eat or drink around them, supervise kids around flocks, handle eggs safely, uh, call your healthcare provider right away if you yep. get if you have symptoms, right? Yeah. What, what so what's you know what's missing for me in this in our mm. in today's version of ABC CDC D plus <laughs> C A, yeah. Um, well, how how do I source? How do I safely source chickens? Right. And, well, and, uh, the, yeah, and, goes, and there's there's yeah. there's advice for stores selling poultry and poultry yes. hatcheries. Um, and then I guess what I would say is what you should do, Ben, is only source your poultry from people that are doing a good job. How right. would you know? I don't know. But I don't that's know what you should do. Ask food from questions. safe sources. Food, exactly. <laughs> but but like so. So here's and, and here's the the I guess the it, this comes back to your question on hedgehog, um, you know, uh, distribution chains versus backyard poultry. Certainly we could go to a place like 
tractor supply store. I think that's what it's called. TSC tractor supply com company because tractor, tractor supply store would be TSS. Um, but have you seen these places tractor supply? No. And, and I, I don't know if the, if this is, um, if, if they, these are, uh, at all related to this outbreak, but I think oh. that well, Tractor Supply Company, there's one uh, 7.8 miles from my house. There you go. So so Tractor Supply, supply com Company, they sell both. Uh, let's, I know they, they sell, sell farming chips. equipment. They do, but they also sell chips. I yes. don't know if they sell eggs that can be um, hatched, yeah. hatched or if they sell like chickens. Um, but here, oh gosh, uh, Tractor Supply uh, employee exposes the company's cruelty to chicks and ducklings as a matter of policy and practice. Well, we can re put that into links. So anyway, um, who knows what what's what's happening here? Anyway, I we did not purchase our chick or our um, or, or our uh, pure chicken from uh, Tractor Supply Chicken Company. Don, we went to a chicken swap. <laughs> what is a chicken swap? You ask. <laughs> I finished laughing and writing that down. Right? Yeah. Well, um, according to the internet, a chicken swap is a gathering where people swap, sell, and buy all manner of farm animals, which is true. Not only in the chicken swap did we see chickens and chicks and eggs that you could hatch, but you, and, and there are chickens of different varieties. I don't even know if it's a, it's a I think it's a variety, right? Chicken varieties. Yeah, it's not it's not cultivar, but yeah. No, but it, and it's not a is, species. Is it breed? Is it breeds? Breed. Common chicken breeds. Um, you can get lots of different chicken breeds, but also you can get rabbits. You can get chinchillas. Um, someone wasn't there when when my family went. I I, I <laughs> a chicken swap makes me nervous for lots of different reasons. <laughs> I didn't go, but my family reported that there had been a goat at the chicken swap prior to them arriving. Um, and, and so the, How would the they know if they had no, well, they, they heard, oh, they heard, they heard, they missed the goat. They missed the goat. So, oh, so God. yeah. So, so anyway, where did, and, and we'll go to the, 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 uh, um, the, the place that they went, we'll link to this in, in notes, uh, is the urban chicken. That's where we purchase all of our chicken accoutrement. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and that's where the chicken swap was. So we didn't, I don't know here, like, and this is the roundabout way of trying to close the loop on this. Don, I don't know the source of the chicken because we got it from an informal chicken swap. So where did they get the chicken from? Maybe they got it from tractor supply store. I don't know. Or a supply company. Maybe they got it from other, you know, chickens are us. I'm not sure where the chickens came from. Um, I just know it came from someone else who was at the swap at well, the and this and this may be this may be part of the reason why there is no traceback diagram right? yes. is that there's a lot of this informal chicken swapping going on out there and how would you even know where you got your chicken from so yep. yeah yep and that's that's part of the that's part of the community right like that's part of the the, the culture and in fact it, you know i can get just like you know let, let me um, let me make another food related analogy. Mm. So, so if I was to go to purchase my food at Walmart or Target or a national 
um, like a Kroger, like a brand of, of grocery store, I know the types of brands that I'm going to get there. Right. Those How about if the, you went to a food swap, <laughs> would yeah. you get your food from a food swap? Well, if I went to a farmer's market, which is kind of like what yeah, I got yeah, at the food yeah. swap, yeah, I got yeah. I got all these artisanal foods that I might find. I got heirloom <laughs> varieties of chickens. I don't, you know, like the point and what 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 my family values is a is a chicken that's got a like a weird tuft of 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 feathers on its head. And that's what we have in one of our chickens. And I'm again, I'm I'm only adjacent to the to the chicken managing process in my house. It, it's not I it's I not I, your it's not your in your remit, as they say. It, it is not in my remit. Don, I consume the eggs. I love the eggs that we get. In fact, love the fact that we've not purchased eggs in a year, not because I'm like trying to. Like it's not a savings because I'm sure the the net out of what we've put into the chickens from a coop to you know the feed, but but I know that it makes my family happy and that I get to eat the eggs. So so I'm I'm I, I've bought into the community that we that we are there, but also I'm not I, I don't know all the details of what of what happens. Um, and but all I do know is that they were very excited to go to the chicken swap, and they got a chicken that they were happy with. Um, but, but that, you know, trying to close the loop on this CDC outbreak, gosh, I don't know what, I don't know whether we're in or not, right. I don't know whether my risk of salmonella, my personal risk of salmonella, I don't know whether it went up or not. Um, and I actually don't. Right. Well, yeah. yeah. Oh, so it probably didn't go down. No, it did not go down. That so, I know. Yes. Yeah. So if, since it, it can't go down, I would have to say that it, well, I guess it could have stayed the same. It could have yeah. stayed the same, which we've yeah. already accepted that risk. Yeah, we need a Bayesian here. He could tell us, or she could tell us whether you're, what your what your priors are and whether the risk. I, I my my feeling is that the risk can only go up, Ben. Oh no, I agree with you. I think also I think you're thinking of a Romulan. Is that true? Is that, um, so. Yeah, no, my the risk can only go up, but also we had a lonely chicken, and my family want, needed another one to 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 keep. The, Wait, who the, was lonely, the chicken or the family? I think both. I think everyone okay. was lonely. Right. Everyone was lonely. Everyone right. was lonely. Um, oh gosh, we have a whole we got a whole bunch of show uh, show titles that just came out I mean, of that. Yep, yep. Um, so, but a, anyway, this is like <laughs> this is where we get to dither and waffle. And, um, and I'm glad this was not a, uh, an episode of risky or not, cause it would have been 45 minutes, but, but I mean, this is the real life of trying to manage food safety in my, in my house. Right. Oh, yeah, and yeah. and, and uh, anyway, so, uh, chickens, all, all that, all that good stuff. Um, let's, let's, let's close, let's close the loop on that. Um, I do want to talk to you. There's another, um, Oh, well, I just want to know, because this is a place that we do get to do some feedback on risky or not. And this is not something that came into the risky or not, um, uh, you know, feed. Um, but uh, I wore my, we do our best not to dither uh, t-shirt with, mm -hmm. and I, I think I expressed this in the last episode with the hopes that in the wild, someone will see it who we don't know mm -hmm. and says, I know about that podcast. And I get to say, I'm on that podcast. <laughs> Um, that didn't <laughs> it did not happen, but I did wear it as part of this, not part of this, but at, at this hockey tournament. 
And someone did ask me, what does it mean to dither? What do you mean by dither? And I got to describe it as, well, I mean like not to waffle <laughs> and not to be like, I don't know, wishy-washy on an answer and, and, and explore all the different sides and they got it. So, so anyway, it, you know, one of the, um, and, and do we have any update on our, on our, um, our ability to sell, we do our best not to do the dither shirts. Have we heard? Back no, at all? I need to, I need to bug the folks at the, at the, the t-shirt company. Cotton, bur- cotton, um, beer. Co- cotton beer. Yeah. I need to, I need to bug them. I, I, I kind of, I kind of wanted to, to get the, to sell all the food safety talk t-shirts we could. Um, and I think we're, we're probably down to the, the bare minimum of those. And I, I do want to take that off the market because I do want it to be a, a special, a special thing that you can't get forever. So I will, I will, uh, I, it's on my uh, mental list to reach out to Cotton Bureau. I'll, I will need to find a way to put it on my physical list, perhaps by putting it into my OmniFocus. Good, good. Excellent. Um, uh, yeah. Do you want to do a little more, a little more follow-up? Yes, I do. Okay. So. We, um, I, I want to give a shout out to, to Deep Crimson, who is one of our longest listening and most prolific feedback providers and always listens to our, our episodes in a very detailed way and provides us really, really great, um, great, great feedback. Um, and, and anyway, um, the, uh, so Deep Crimson writes us some, some follow-up uh, about really that came out of the eggnog process. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that we talked about on, um, I think it was on a, was it on a risk or not? It might've been on a food safety talk. Uh, I think it was on a food safety talk. Anyway, um, the, uh, uh, Deep Crimson writes, the eggnog process I previously sent you was inspired by my cake making. So the comments about buttercream intrigue me. Um, uh, Deep Crimson makes wedding and other cakes, never use fondant unless a sculptural ornament, using buttercream, adapted recipes from uh, Rose Levy, uh, Baron Baum's Cake Bible. Uh, But here's the, I think the really fun part of what, um, what, what, uh, deep, well, there's two really fun parts, but what Deep Crimson writes is, I'd observed that when making the buttercream, the beaten sugar and egg easily reached over 165 degrees Fahrenheit. Thus, I reckon this process would be adaptable to the eggnog recipe. Um, I was surprised when um, uh, Kelly Masters did not include a temperature for sugar syrup, and that goes back to um, the books that we referenced. Um, one of the hallmarks of Baronbaum's work is her incredible precision in measuring everything. But thanks for ma- mentioning master's books on the show. I love them. Uh, and in their own way, their books represent a lot of measurements as well. Also, Hot Frog Summer might be interested in this fro- in this song, um, Fred Small, Hot Frogs on the Loose, which uh, was uh, w- which um, Deep Crimson linked to, and then also gave us a couple other YouTube's uh, videos of uh, Fred Small. Uh, the follow-up was Fred was very popular in the in the uh, folk music scene. The song seamlessly goes uh, from an intro almost as long to the song itself. The intro is funny, the song is funny, and they don't stand alone as well as heard heard together. So uh, we'll link to both of these um, uh, the, these uh, uh, links on YouTube. But fr- uh, Fred Small hot intro to hot frogs on the loose and the song hot frogs on the loose, which uh, I thought were very um, 
very fun listens. So thanks to Deep Crimson for again being so thoughtful and following up with us. Uh, yeah, this. and I'll say too, we will we will link to the lyrics to Hot Frogs, and we will also link to the AP News article with the headline "Radioactive Frogs Escape Pond at National Lab." And the the first the first headline, uh, first uh, paragraph reads: "In a case that at first glance could pass for a science fiction movie plot." radioactive frogs are loose at a government lab. And so, uh, yeah, so even if YouTube videos are not your thing, um, be sure to read the AP article uh, and then and, and definitely I recommend uh, the, uh, the YouTube videos. Awesome, awesome. Um, so the next feedback comes to us uh, about an episode that we uh, posted on Risky or Not, I think last week uh, that I avoided for a long time on hot dog in epoxy. And, and this comes to us, um, from, uh, from someone we'll, we'll just call deep hot dog, uh, and, and, uh, deep hot dog will know, uh, who we're talking about. And this was awesome because it, it missed, it, it got to something that I think we missed, uh, in our discussion. So deep hot dog writes, um, subject hot dog in epoxy message. My guess is that the hot dog in epoxy is not the same hot dog they, they put into the fluid epoxy. Watch the YouTube video. Notice the ketchup and mustard pattern, completely different. My guess is that this guy put a Japanese fake food hot dog in epoxy. He started with a real one and switched to a fake hot dog in epoxy, in which case you will never see evidence of spoilage. Interesting discussion though. I, and um, Deep, deep uh, Hot Dog says, I would think that you might see proteolytic activity of the hot dog if Seabot was growing in it, even if the epoxy was strong enough not to allow gas formation to be evident. If it was a real hot dog, liquid epoxy might've been infused into the food by the vacuum. Um, I think it is a scam signed deep hot dog. Yeah. Uh, and so, and, and so yeah. thank you very much to that listener for, for reaching out. Uh, he uh, he's, uh, was my, my first graduate student at, at Rutgers University and is a real smart guy, worked in the food industry for many, many years. And now, like a number of our listeners, is retired and apparently has time to, <laughs> to listen to podcasts and send us detailed feedback. But really appreciate it. And I, I think he's nailed it, Ben. I think, I think this whole thing is a fake because it just couldn't, it just didn't add up from a food technology yeah. perspective, how it could look so pristine. And, and if it's a fake hot dog, it totally makes sense. And I blame the sponsor of the show for taking us down this rabbit hole, wanting us to uh, to address this, but but not um, recognizing the fakeness of, yeah. of it. And and I, I I feel like we were we were duped. We're we're the rubes in in this in this story. So so thanks to to Dane, our sponsor. <laughs> in this, in this. Um, so yeah, again. Uh, 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 Dane, we, we kid, but I appreciate you, you bringing it to our, um, uh, to our attention and, and me for avoiding it for as long as I could. Um, so, uh, one, one other thing I wanted to, uh, highlight here in, in feedback, um, was, uh, something to it that, that came to us, um, from, uh, at dark turquoise one on, um, uh, on, uh, uh, Twitter, uh, and Dark Turquoise One uh, Indrani tags us in a thread about flavor masking or not of spoiled meat and food safety using spices. So um, I, I'm going to go ahead and, and try and find the actual um, uh, uh, thread here. But but do you want to do you want to jump in on on this? Yeah, so I'm I just do? looking. 
I'm looking for the I'm looking for the to find the actual tweet. And again, Twitter's search capabilities um, are absolute crap. And so, yeah, I don't have unfortunately I don't have an easy way to get to the Twitter thread. Uh, oh, but I but but again, uh, the idea is so Indrani is one of our uh, longtime fans. Uh, former graduate student at Rutgers, I believe, and also the the coiner of the phrase that um, uh, Beth McCoy liked so much about, I'm going to get it wrong, but we'll link to the the Geneseo episode uh, where, where Beth quote, I believe Beth quotes Indrani, or maybe it was an, an email message from, from Beth. But anyway, something about uh, uh, teaching you not what to think, but how to think. And so, uh, so thanks to, to Indrani for that. Yeah. And, and so I found the, found the thread here. Um, it comes from at Ray Chris one, uh, Krishnendu Ray. And so the thread is, is um, it, it, it starts with spices and meat. Surprisingly flawed opinions persist about the use of spices in early modern Europe. Apparently it was to cover the smell of rotting flesh or to compensate for poor quality of meat. I read two instances re recently. Um, so there is a, uh, a, 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 a book, uh, entitled Spices in the Indian Ocean World um, by M.N. Pearson. M.N. Pearson writes um, that spices and especially pepper were widely used to describe to disguise the semi-putrid smell and keep meat palatable through the winter. Um, and then another book that was uh, in 2021 from Peggy Mohan, Spices Needed for Preserving Meat Before the Days of Refrigeration. Uh, I re recently heard a visiting historian new to food repeat that at NYU. Most, and then four, uh, the end of the thread was most yeah. historians of food disagree for the following reasons. A, spices don't cover the smell of rotting flesh. B, only people do, do, don't oh, use spice, spices, spice, think so. Think so. That's yeah. my favorite, favorite uh, tweet in the whole thread. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and I wanna I wanna highlight some of the stuff that yeah. um that that we I think we talked about this. Um, I well I've been working on some some stuff with my colleague Rob Dunn um, on alliums and certainly not spices and I don't want to get those things confused. But we did some um, uh, some um, uh, some citizen science on this. Uh, we're, we're looking currently looking at data right now, uh, but looking at garlic as um, an antimicrobial in a variety of different types of traditional um, food. So there was a really what uh, like shout out um, to, to the folks at Gastropod on this. But I, what I thought was a really great episode, not just because I appeared on this episode, um, but and my friend Rob appeared on it, but um, but really talking about garlic and alliums as a um, as a preservative in traditional uh, foods. And so so again, it's it, it's really, I, I would say, too early for us to make like a big determination here. Um, but um, it's uh, what we found is that the 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 microbial makeup of some of these traditional foods definitely changes with the addition of both salt and alliums. Um, and so so anyway, look look for more of this because we've got a. Uh, a manuscript that's in in preparation um, on it, but we talked about what we did in this, um, it, it, or what we are doing in this project, and how we engaged uh, some local high school um, students in 
uh, you know, really looking at um, at this question in this uh, in this episode. So again, not a you know, not not a spice per se, but I think these things get all wrapped up together. Whether it's spices, salts, alliums, other additions, I, I would say that that they do change the microbial makeup. Whether that preserves them or not, I don't. I, I certainly don't think it, it is about um, uh, covering up the the rotting flesh because I think that many of these were added prior to the rotting of it. it it's part of either the fermentation or um re, you know really whatever the spoilage um process is, is happening so anyway check out the the cool episode on gastropod entitled the brightest bulb from december 2020 if you want more if you want more of me in your ears um yeah what else what else do you want to what do you what else do you want to talk about well, I was going to say we could we could we could follow up with some more deep crimson, um, but <clears throat> she shares a wonderful recipe and some photos, and then says, "Please don't share the recipe or the photos." Okay. So, so Fair thanks. Just a shout out, shout out to Deep Crimson for the eggnog feedback. So, uh, again, just wonderful. Thank you, thank you so much for that. Good. Um, well, I don't know, Don. Is that uh, is that a is that a show? Do you have? Uh, I, yeah. I think that might be a show. I think it's a show. I think this is, I think this has been another episode of food safety talk and we don't have an outro. <laughs> so uh, we, should, we should make an outro. We no. should make an intro and an outro. What do you this, think? This no? is the one that doesn't have an outro. Okay. The, the okay. other one has an outro. We just say awkwardly say goodbye. Wait, no, it, this one, the intro on this one is complaining about whatever platform we're using to record and getting our headphones and microphones set. And the outro is uh, dithering for a while and then awkwardly saying goodbye. Yeah, well, let's let's do it. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. You know what? There was a lot of um, we we kind of jumped right in. We didn't do a lot of like, yeah, not too much yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I felt uh, yeah, we 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 hit it. we hit it in stride. My voice was good. It only like cracked once, and then I had to cough here at the end. But other than that, it was oh, like, I wonder why you suddenly got quiet. That's because yeah. you hit your mute button. I hit my mute. I, I'm like <clears> the <throat> dump dump button. Is that what? <laughs> I think that's different. It's a different button. Um. All right. Okay. So. This is this is good. You'll be happy to know that um, some new artwork and uh, new carpet and new. We'll we'll just say sound baffling. Sound. <laughs> <laughs>
is is coming. It's coming soon to nice. to a room near me, being this room right now. Um, yeah, a new a new carpet arrived, so there should be a lot less, uh, at least bouncing off of the the floor. Um, oh. Yeah. Um, Okie dokie. So September eighth is today. Two weeks from day, today is September twenty second. I really have lots of flexibility all morning, really up until 2, 2 p.m. on September 22nd. How does that look for you? That's that's fine. The only thing I have penciled in is maybe go get my car inspected that day. So I actually have a remarkably free day in a, in a busy week. Do you want to, um, I've got something right now that's scheduled at 10. Um, that is, it, it's a, it's my, my meeting with Beck and Lisa. That's always movable to other hours. Do you want to like to save me not moving that? Do you want to start this at 11, go like 11 to one, or do you want to go earlier to get your car done? What, what, yeah. What, what, what is best for you? Um, I'm totally good. Like, yeah. Um, oh, I, now I've got to decide. Um, well, could we do it at 10 and I could ask you yep. to move your meeting with them? Yes, absolutely. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's no, it's no problem at all. Mm, or hmm, now, yeah, let's, let's, let's do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, that's good. Um, I've also got like, lots like i don't know there's other days that week too if you want to know no it's fine that's okay that's, cool. let's lock it in cool, cool cool locked locked and loaded 22nd 10 a.m till noon i have like a whole different schedule now like that that i'm uh, kids are, yeah kids are on school at school though so i dropped mm. jack off which i have been doing when he was back in school post covid and middle school starts really early but now i show up in my office at like 7 45 in the morning and which is great like i get a lot of stuff done um, yeah and, and then i like sort of roll out of here in time for hockey things in the early evening so but i'm not spending a whole lot of time at home um but it's it there's some like it's still there's not a lot of people here so there's not a lot of people just dropping in and not a lot of things are in person so essentially i have i'm at home <laughs> in a mm -hmm. room but, but, but like i still do everything on zoom but it's here yeah it, it's it's weird um, I don't know how long that's going to be. Like, I don't know if people will eventually trickle in and there's more things that people walk in for, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So um, only thing I can't figure out is how to link to that, that thing that you sent me twice. That, I don't that just yeah. sends you to, to a uh, Google. Can you, so try this. Mm -hmm. If you, um, right click on the oh. like in it copy yeah. i think it gives you the link that you can then put into the show notes yep yep that might be a thing to do yeah copy there we go yeah and it's like google dot you know, yeah 700 yeah. characters yeah um yeah i have i have that i have that text i just need to yeah, that's what I've got. So what's it called? What's the, what's the, what should we name the link? We should call it, um, and I think it's at the top of the, let me, let me pull it up. Oh, it, it's on the, it's on your, at, yeah, your F, yeah. No, but if you look at it, it's FDA FOIA closed log, March, 2020. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the journalist got back to me and said, 
Um, I don't. I FOIA'd for it because I asked mm. him if he's got it, yeah. but haven't received it. To compare, I relied upon language from FDA's data dashboard, which includes the language of each citation in case it mirrored the early and earlier citation. But I don't think it gives us enough like info. Yeah. yeah. He attached it, but it's not, I don't know. I'll send you the link that he sent me. Okay. It, ju- it said, you did not establish and implement adequate written procedures for monitoring sanitation controls. Yeah. I'll forward you what he said. Okay, thanks. Yeah. So we both have it. And then I'll get back to him. Yeah, that's my plan as well. And it's consumer reports. There's, they don't, it's not like a, you know, they're a monthly magazine. Yeah, it's a legit, it's a legit, yeah. uh, legit yeah. company. So but they yeah. also don't like, they're not under a heavy deadline, right? Oh, it's because it's a, it's a, it's a magazine. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, Okie dokie. Oh, in real time follow up. Um, someone tried to use while we were on the while we were talking. Um, someone tried to use my my um, my Netflix account in both uh, Algeria and Germany. Whoa! So update has been has cha- or password has been changed. Kicked everybody out. Whoa! Yeah. Son of a gun. Get it every once in a while. I think with like. Four of us using Netflix on lots uh-huh. of different devices. I, you know, who knows? Like, there's lots of places where these things get, you know, compromised. So I'm. Yeah. It's not like a constant thing, but I've probably changed Hulu and Netflix and like Instagram and Twitter uh, passwords all with. Anytime I get an alert, I change it immediately, and I got two-factor authentication on most of them. Yeah. Um, I do it within like seconds. And I've probably done it five times in the last five years. Like, it's not like, whoa, yeah. Happens every once in a while. Hmm. Yeah, we're, we're, we're out there, man. We're, we're on our, our, our passwords are out there. Um, so anyway, I think that's, I think that's all I got for you. Okay. Sounds good. Cool. I will, uh, I'm, I'm going to try and edit this right away and get it up today. And I will talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.